Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production, where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Hi, this is Steve Silver with Silver Screen Videos, and you're listening to Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. You are listening to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We get to read fiction on the show and talk about some movies, books, you name it. If you like what I do here, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. You'll get some books and other cool stuff for your support. Go ahead and also reach out to me at Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com, Aaron Horror Show on Twitter, or Aaron's Horror Show on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We got more Mackie and Arnex Ascension for you. So, just to uh, recap, uh, he is, you know, getting this computer hacker named Cassie to. Uh, go ahead and decrypt his dad's hard drive and he started up a relationship with her but then uh there's trouble in paradise uh she kicked him out of the 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 proverbial house so uh let's see how that all uh plans out she wouldn't respond to any of his attempts to contact her whether it was in person via social media on the galactic network and any of the myriad ways he tried to get hold of her de- the deafening silence from her and began to crawl under his skin. Finally, he broke and decided to pay her a visit and apologize. Makiarnak had never apologized in his life. He entered the shop and saw a customer. The man was a green hallack with long legs and a longer torso. Vigo haggled with the man over a part for some immersive arcade unit. Human, go to the back! Vigo screeched. Well, it sounded like a threat. Makiarnik knew that it was just Vigo's people, the Kepakt. They were about as off-putting as an alien race could be. Their friendly speech inflections were grating, aggressive, and near-nonsensical. If there was any sentient race least equipped for the delicacies of customer service, it was the Kepakt. With that and the overinflated prices, it was amazing that Cassie's shop ever had any customers at all. Although, due to the sense of nature of her real business, Makiarnek was pretty sure Vigo was hired intentionally to chase off customers. The last thing Cassie wanted was a thriving junk shop business. For what Vigo lacked on social graces, he made up in loyalty. Makiarnek knew that if Cassie ever really wanted him dead, Vigo wouldn't hesitate, no matter how many times he had been welcomed into the shop. He left the painful haggling process behind, 
and made his way to the back amp room where he'd first met with Cassie. She was a musician at heart and played just about anything that could be plugged in and carry a tune. Whenever she was too stressed to think about a computer problem, she'd go to the amp room and play. Makiarnik had waited a few times here and there before entering the room so they could hear her play. She was good for being a person without any genetic modifications. He opened the door to the back and stepped into the workshop that was more a jumble of wires and computer parts than an actual working space. The tendrils of cords snaked their way through the ceilings and the floors of the building. They all seemed to center on a stalactite of monitors and computers that hung from the ceiling. There were systems from all different eras. They ranged from ancient ones that should be sitting in a museum to sleek quantum computers used today. The screens ranged from cathode tubes all the way to fully immersive tactical projection systems like the one in the immersive arcade units. Cassie was sitting at a workbench cluttered with parts and various tools. She had a pair of goggles over her eyes that seemed to be relaying complex stream of information to her. There was a wire connecting her to the data drive and she was completely engrossed in the task. Makiarnak had seen her in the state enough to know that the sun could be going supernova and she wouldn't so much as look up at him. He lifted a circuit board on what would be a pile of junk for most people. She turned to him and said, That circuit board is older than your grandmother's grandmother. Now put it down. If it breaks, I will break you. He knew her well enough to know that she was being serious and put the circuit board back. I don't see what's so important about all this junk anyways, he said. What do you know about your history? Humans were assholes, so they formed the UPE. Humans are still assholes, so nothing much has changed. Except for the computer. That changes all the time. Would you believe that in the beginning, computers were getting smaller and smaller? Then along came the atomized quantum processor, and it couldn't get any smaller. When the computer became the smallest functional size possible, there is no more to build but back up. Meanwhile, the task and calculations required to be performed by a computer got more and more complex, so computers began to grow and grow. This drive defies all of that. It's neither shrinking nor growing technology, Cassie said and turned back to the data drive. After a moment of silence, Makiarnik couldn't hold it anymore. So, I have to say this. I've been doing a lot of thinking lately, and I like you. And, well, I came here to apologize. I didn't mean to comment that I made last week. Sometimes it's good to see if there's a historical precedent. I keep old hardware around, because maybe someone out there already has a solution for my current problem. However, it was built with different fundamental principles than our current computer systems, and I'm sorry, did you say something? I apologize for last week about being dick. Wh what, that? Does it look like I care about that? So you're an asshole, there's no reason to dwell on it. You've been ignoring me. I've been working, I have no time to answer every lovey-dovey text. Just because we're fucking doesn't mean we're going to get married. That was his line. Mac Yarnick didn't know how many times he had used that line and only got in trouble afterward. Now that it was used on him, it only made her want her more. You don't know how much that makes me want you. Later, look at the encryption on this drive. It's different than anything I've ever seen. Most encryption still runs on archaic principles. 
that used uh, things like the old 128 SSL of the past. When quantum computers came around, and crunch a 128 like it was nothing. The keys just got larger and larger and more layered. But they still worked on the same premise. You see, you have data lock that you don't someone to see, so you, you lock it up with a key. And this is important why. The drive doesn't have a key or even a keyhole. So, he said, so, so, it's like trying to open a door with a lock that doesn't exist. Hell, I'm not even sure the door exists. What I'm trying to say is humans did not create this data drive. So it's alien tech. Digitally speaking, the hardware is Shusharian. What's my dad doing with a Shusharian hard drive? That's not the point. The encryption software is alien, even to the Shusharians. We're dealing with something completely new, like not something from this world or any world that we know about. Encryption data is like seeing a, a jumble of garbage. However, if you stare at anything long enough, you see patterns. Only those patterns are keyholes entry into the system. With this drive, there's no repeating patterns. It, this data looks like nothing, like garbage. There must be something else. There has to be something else. Even encrypted data follows a pattern. Substitute all the A's for E's, then the E's for M's, then the next pass, and so forth. So how do we unlock it? Well, that's when I found a piece of code. It wasn't a way in. It was just, you know, one more of a reset switch. A, a break glass in case of emergency deal. Wipe the hard drive and start over. What good would that do? Wouldn't that destroy the data? Uh, well, that's why I've been ignoring it. But the solution was so simple. It's been staring me in the face all this time. The reset switch, it, it, it wanted to get the biometrics of the new user. This drive is DNA locked. If we're going to need samples to get it opened. So, you're going to invite me over for dinner with your dad or what? Makiarnik's face flushed. He couldn't help himself. No one had ever caused him to do that before. There's something about Cassie that made him always feel out of kilter. Part of him loved it. Cassie looked up from her work and noticed him as if for the very first time. A knowing smile grew across her face. They started kissing. Makiarnik lifted her out onto his desk. He would invite her over to dinner but not as some punk girlfriend that would get a rise out of his dad, but as an accomplice, a partner worthy of his time and attention. Dinner with Mackie and Eric's father was painful. The conversation was stifled and short. The table was too large to have a reasonable conversation. Cassie picked at her food and crinkled her nose on more than one occasion. Mackie and Eric loved her even more for it. She had cleaned up rather well. She was wearing a dress that was more expensive than the entire content of her junk shop. It was white, long, and flowing, and what a rich off-worlder woman would be wearing. Mac Yarnak had insisted on buying it for her, not because he wanted to wear her more dresses. He liked her gutter-buttoned look. It was more because his, for his dad to believe her that she was a woman worthy enough to bring home to his family, she had to look as she came from the upper class. She would rather burn the dress than wear it. The strange part of the dinner was not the food that was shipped in for every corner of the galaxy that would cost more than the average worker's year salary, nor was it the formality of the event with proper clothes, silverware, and servants attending their every need. Those were things that his father did for all the guests to flaunt his wealth. The strange part was that her father welcomed the chance to meet the woman he was dating. His father seemed to find any excuse to avoid the affairs of his son, 
if he had a sporting event or a performance at school, his father would always have important business. His father seemed to care little about what happened in his life, so it felt strange that he cared about it now. So why is your family in New York? His father asked over dinner. Mackie Arnack winced. He always thought his father never paid attention to anything he did. Not that his father knew he was gone many nights, but also that he was going to New York. It seems a little far from Orangus Epsilon. They told Rasmus that her family's business was so far from Earth so as not to encourage conversation. His father hated aliens, and he thought humans from other worlds were less than himself. A rich human from a family far off world would be just enough to cause disinterest, but not enough to set off alarm bells. The fact that he was attempting to engage her in conversation was unexpected. My father's here to set up a lobbying firm. Exporting biocompounds are an intergalactic regulation nightmare, Cassie said without skipping a beat. She was good at deception. But Makiarnik wasn't surprised. She seemed to be good at anything she put her mind to. The biocompound was a good story. As an energy mogul, he couldn't care less about health unless it was its own. However, if there was one thing his father hated, it was government intrusion into business. It sounds like someone I'd like to meet one day, his father said. We'll have to arrange it, Cassie said, as she picked at her food. Makiarnik wasn't worried because he had planned not to have a next day. They planned to get what they needed tonight. They continued talking politics and business, and after the course of one meal, his father was hanging on her every word. He was even more stricken by her than Makiarnik had been. However, Makiarnik knew the real her. He knew that it was all an act to get his father to let his guard down and get his DNA, which was no small task. The DNA swipers that collected from Rasmus's guest also protected his DNA from getting stolen by incinerating errant hair and skin cells that he shed from his body on a daily basis. Cassie didn't seem to be deterred by them. When it came to technology, she knew there was a way to work around anything. After the meal was over, the plates were long cleared and the servants had been standing for hours waiting to be dismissed. Ramses and Cassie were still lost in conversation. Had Cassie not charmed Rasmus, the meal would have been over in minutes after it started. Makiarnik would not see his father again until some other occasion they were forced to be in the same room together. As it turned out, Cassie and Ram Rasmus were deep in conversation and Makiarnik had become sort of a third wheel. Makiarnik felt a twinge of jealousy at the way the meal had been going. He would have stormed out of the room ages ago. However, since he knew that it was a situation manufactured to put his father at ease, Makiarnik controlled his emotions that felt like they were on the edge of boiling over. So you're telling me that you have a spy in the Shusharian Ministry of Transportation and Energy, Rasmus said. They can't sue you for patent infringement if they aren't members of the UP. Plus, I don't think anyone will mourn the loss of Shusharian entrepreneurship. That's brilliant. <laughs> you never told me your dad was so crafty. Makiarnik mumbled something in response. I've got plans for a high-performance Decrin converter. It will boost performance by at least five P-years, his father said. Sounds sexy, Cassie batted her eyes. Trust me, you'll never have that much power between your legs. Can I see it? The plants, I mean. Makiarnik, could you, could you fetch us some more wine, his father said. 
I think this is going to be a long night. Why didn't you have the servants do it? Makiarnik said. Because I asked you. They've been standing here long enough. His father waved his hands, and the servants dismissed themselves. We'll meet you in the library, right after I show your lovely girlfriend the design specs. But you don't even care about engineering diagrams anyway. Now go. His father did have a point. As a rule, he avoided anything to do with the family business. Mekiarnik left the room in a huff. Cassie would just have to go on her own. At least in his office, there might be a way to disable the DNA swipers. After Mekiarnik had stolen the drive, his father upgraded the security. The drawers on the desk were DNA locked. There were cameras installed. It was tighter. Nothing she couldn't handle. Makiarnik was halfway down the stairs to the cellar when a thought crossed his mind. Maybe he could get his father to leave the office, give her a chance to be alone in there. He bolted back up the stairs. He ran through the halls and roved through the rooms until he got to the corridor of his father's office. He tiptoed forward and came to a halt in front of the office door. It was ajar. He peeked inside and was horrified by what he saw. His father and Cassie were naked. She was spread out on his desk. Rasmus was thrusting into her and grunting. She let off a soft moan and kissed him. Makiarnik couldn't watch anymore. He backed away from the door. His head felt light. His stomach sank. He stumbled backward into the hallway. Who was that? His father said. Nothing. Keep going. Cassie said. Makiarnik pushed his way outside. The cool night air and the gentle breeze did nothing to quell his anger. The groundskeeper was locking up the shed for the night. He saw Makiarnik pacing and swearing and asked, Is everything all right, sir? Makiarnik didn't think. He punched the man in the face. The man barely had time to look surprised. Makiarnik jumped at him and began pounding the guy's face until it was unrecognizable pulp. All right, that was uh, the next part of Makiarnik's ascension. Uh, yeah, come back in two weeks. Hear some more Makiarnik's ascension. Hope you're enjoying it so far, and uh, yeah, uh, if you ever have, you know, an, you know, jerk industry mogul father, uh, don't take your girlfriend around uh, <laughs> to see him, I guess. That's the moral of today's story, <laughs> you know, because I'm sure, you know, a lot of us have a industrial mogul, you know, like Gilded Age, uh, uh, twirling mustache moguls, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, as parents, right? Uh, <laughs> it happens to everybody. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening, and have a good night.